1: All right. Welcome into another BuzzBeat. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. This is Richie and we've got some news to report on as PJ Washington has finally re-signed with the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to be joined by Brian here. He is joining via his phone on Spaces and we wanted to remind everyone that's listening to the podcast version, if you have one minute of your day, just take some time right now and review us on your preferred podcasting platform. and. As we record this, we'll try to get to some speaker requests if we have time. But BG, how's it going? I know that you just got back from Wilmington. Um, any favorite spots that you ate at down there? Because I I went there for college. So I didn't know if there's a, a place that you went to that you really, really enjoyed.
2: Oh, um uh, uh Seabird, uh, which is like a nice seafood place uh down there. So yeah, would uh strongly recommend that and I'm doing pretty well. I'd be doing a little bit better. Uh, My internet work routinely, uh, uh, you know, uh, dropping the ball here whenever we try to record some of these things. So uh, (laughs) appreciate the patience on your end and uh, apologies for any sort of uh, so-so audio quality
1: from, from, from me at least. It's all good. It's all good. So let's let's get to the specifics of this deal, and then we can kind of get to our thoughts about PJ. So for those of you guys that are unaware, PJ signed a three-year, $48 million deal. That comes out to $16 million average per year, but technically speaking, it's $15.5 million per season with 500000 in bonuses based on minutes and games, which... To PJ's credit, he's one of the more reliable players in the four seasons that he has played, so he might meet those bonuses. Now, it's interesting, the options leading up to this point, like what could have happened? He could have signed that qualifying offer for $8.5 million, which would have been a one-year contract, and he would have been an unrestricted free agent next offseason. So that was a real possibility, and that was what Miles Bridges did. Uh, There was another option. I guess a team could have used their standard MLE of $12.4 million on him, and I think that probably would have been an automatic match from Charlotte's perspective, or they could have come to a new agreement, which which they did. Uh, this multi-year deal, which they came to an agreement uh, on Saturday, three years, $48 million. That was ultimately how it played out. When I first saw this news, I think it was extremely fair. I would have been okay if the deal was even 17 $18, 19000000 So, the fact that it's 15 and a half per, uh, it makes me uh, feel excited about this deal. Now, when it comes to the years, this is what I think is pretty interesting. You've got to kind of look at it from both parties. Like, if PJ plays well, you might second guess yourself about not giving him a four year deal or a five year deal. But from PJ's point of view, he might want to get off this deal a little bit quicker to kind of get back into free agency because he wasn't offered something that he was originally asking for. So both parties kind of had to give up and compromise a little bit. And I think that's just something that we're going to have to live with. And then Brian, my last thought before I pass it over to you, if, if miles and PJ were both on these one year qualifying offers, like I mentioned, it would mean both of them would become unrestricted free agents in 2024. And that kind of puts their futures kind of more in the balance there. It's, it's harder to bring back those players, both of those players, that have been so impactful for this team. So at least for now with P.J., you have a little bit more certainty with this uh, deal having him sign for three more seasons. So that that's kind of my initial thoughts. Very happy with it, and it's extremely fair in my view.
2: Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Uh, you and I have talked a lot about P.J. this offseason including deals that were uh, very similar in terms of like av- annual average salary just with that fourth year which you which you just touched on and you know I think I've been sort of like at times this off season I've been I had expressed my concern for why the, the franchise had yet to come to terms with the, with the deal with PJ certainly acknowledging the the uh the, the lack of a like a real competitive market for him which you just outlined um, Charlotte's ability to match and teams that had cap space using that in other other methods that sort of just like neutralized things. And it feels like it made it um, not inevitable, but you mentioned the part with bridges on the qualifying offer and all of the challenges potentially 12 months from now or 10 months from now that, that could have caused if PJ was also on a QO so, I don't know if there was any reason to sort of feel confident that this was going to get done. It was that ultimately PJ fit. He made sense with the team. Um, Charlotte had money to spend, and they were going to be trying to, assuming they want PJ around for a little bit. Why would you not? He's a really nice young player. Um, they were going to want to avoid, you know, the, this double qualifying offer uh, situation between PJ and Bridges. Yeah, I, certainly the deal is going to go by really, really quickly, right? I mean, because this is only right. three years, not four. There, now, there is no option, which I do think is important to note. Like, it is a full, you know, three three years uh, guaranteed, all, all team control. So that there is that. Who knows? Maybe they have over, you know, a fourth-year option or, or whatever. But for sure, like for PJ, you know, him coming up with a deal that has, you know, I think the 15 and a half 16 million dollar in terms of average annual salary that that seems about right um again I I'm someone that would have paid him upwards of 18 19 20 million dollars a year so you know I, I almost would have been fine with a you know four year 78 million dollar contract or four year 80 whatever um but as you noted uh, astutely, like this is gonna allow him to under unrestricted free agency when he's still in you know 27 28 years old you know, still sort of in, in the you know, the back half of his prime or the prime of his career. In which case, he should be able to make up some of that difference. And just going forward, he's a great player to, to have in the rotation. Um, this is He's a really nice hybrid forward that can do a bunch of stuff for you defensively. He's a good team defender. He can switch. He can guard multiple positions along the perimeter. He had some nice backline uh, rim protector instincts. Um, he's a ball mover offensively. He showed you a little bit of what he can do, sort of playing with the ball more this past season, operating pick and roll. Think that Oklahoma City game uh, against the Thunder on the road. But, you know, doing more stuff from the elbow, uh, not being just like a pick and pop state guy. Um, he can play out of the short roll. He can connect. Um, he makes quick decisions. And so he just seemed like someone that would naturally fit with LaMelo between, between guys like LaMelo and Mark Williams and Terry Rozier and Brandon Miller, like TJ or pardon me, PJ is someone that can be, um, he, he can be the connecting tissue with some of that because he's a, he makes quick decisions. He doesn't try to do too much, you know, with the ball off the bounce, he can shoot, he forces hard closeouts. And um, and he, he can you know he's got some size and he can pass and do some stuff against mismatches. So just his versatility with the ball at the screener, as a spacer, and as like a versatile um, you know team defender is something mm-hmm. that I think really, really, really um, uh, you know pops and and will fit you know over the next perhaps three plus years. It just this works out yeah. I think in a bunch of different directions, even if it's probably not. Quite the bag that PJ um, and his team may have wanted. It's still a lot of money. Like, but you got paid, you know. Um, and uh, he'll have a chance to, to to re-enter free agency three years from now. And again, when he's twenty seven, going on twenty eight, I and mean, he'll be able to, uh, you know, again get another. I would imagine sizable salary as a you know likely starter
0: in the starting forward in the NBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion.
1: And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back.
3: Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
1: Yeah, use the word a lot, and I use the word a lot. It's just versatility. And maybe he doesn't have like a standout positive trait or skill but he does a lot of the little things, and there's not really a huge glaring weakness that jumps off the screen when I watch him. I may, Maybe other people can <laughs> see glaring weaknesses. Maybe his rebounding is not up to par. But overall, like when you just look at his game, he's got versatility. He almost plays more like a wing than he does a center. <laughs> but he's going to toggle between the four and the five. You talk about his passing skills and playing out of the short roll. He, he has become a player that is not just a pick-and-pop player, but a pick-and-roll player as well. And he's added you know, more of a floater in his game this past season out of the pick and roll. And that adds something to kind of counter his subpar rim finishing. And I don't know if you've seen this like narrative out of like national perspective, but I've read some articles like recently over the summer, just talking about how his defense needs work. And I'm not really sure, you know, why anyone could say that because he does have the versatility to guard up a position and down a position. He can guard out on the perimeter. He competes on the block and, you know there are some possessions where just he gets he just gets out muscled but on top of that he's not being placed on guys that just kind of stay in the corner like he you see him involved yeah. a lot with on ball action on the defensive side and he's kind of everywhere you want him to be and even if he's placed on a guy like in the corner he's going to show some ability to come up with a weak side block as well so i've seen that narrative recently and i don't i don't know it's probably just because people don't watch charlotte all that <laughs> much but i think defensively, he probably needs a little bit more praise than he's getting uh, from the national point of view. I I would agree. I mean, we've we've sung his praises on that end of the floor plenty on
2: this podcast or stuff that we've written or tweets about or published in various locations or talked about on different shows. Yeah, I mean, I think we're on, we're we're heading into like year three or four of him being you know, what what I I'm not necessarily sure what some of the impact metrics would say, but what I think of as like a positive defender. Um, you know I, I'm not here trying to say oh, this guy could switch out and shut down five, six positions. And he's not that kind of guy, but he he can comfortably switch out against a lot of different guys. And he's been on this roster the last couple of years. He's been the guy that takes tough matchups that has to guard Giannis. That has to switch out on the Trey Young. You know, that has to be a small ball center and guard Joel and Like, please tell me how many other six, seven guys that shoot, you know, thirty eight percent on good volume from deep are the exist in the NBA. Like there's really not that many. Um and again, he's younger, he's getting better. Um, I could see how you saw him on the nights where like he's switching out and you know quicker guys are getting by him. I think laterally he's smooth, but maybe not like, yep. super duper quick. And he's he's long, but maybe not outrageously long. So I could see there being some some days where maybe he's getting taken off the dribble when he gets into like weird matchups or closeouts or whatever. But for the most part, I think he's I think he's good on that end. And given the fact that like you know Cody Martin played very very little for this team last season, I mean I guess it depends on how you feel about Mark Williams or JT 4 or whatever. But like with mcdaniel gone now in Toronto. Uh, you know, via the, you know, the mid-season trade from to, to Philadelphia and with Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, he's probably the best rotation defender from last season coming back. I mean, maybe Mark Williams, you know. Uh, it's, I, I don't want to shortchange Mark. He was really good down the stretch. And I think that maybe that says more about the lack of returning punch that Charlotte has yeah. on the Premier defensively. And certainly, Cody Martin's injury factors into this calculus, too. But I think P.J. does a lot of stuff on the defensive end of the floor, it, no matter what. I, I think ultimately he is the guy that absolutely strikes me as someone that's playable in crunch time. He can be on the floor in a postseason setting because he can switch, um, because he gives you a little bit of rim protection, because he's in the right spot as a team defender. He's willing to step up and take tough matchups. And if you want to scramble things around and go zone, he can even, he sh- I mean, maybe you're gonna you're not maybe you will suffer on the glass in this regard but like he has anchored defensive zones as a small ball five too so you just got like a lot of reps doing different stuff at a high level that I think matters a lot um and I've I have also touched on this before on the pod but like we we both just mentioned his short roll passing he is I think you know, I, you probably, maybe you could go through every roster and pick someone out from every team that kind of does this, but he seems to be pretty, pretty damn good at not just the short role playmaking when he's playing like small ball five, which is something he really didn't get to do much this past season, but he's really good at th- that short role playmaking when there's someone else in the dunker spot already. So, like, he's already seeing another defender in the paint, but he's good at getting that floater, that, he's, that runner that he has that you just mentioned Richie his ability to either like kick it to the weak side corner depending on where the help comes or to be the connected piece to get the ball from LaMelo in the pick and roll to Mark Williams at the rim the teams are putting two on the ball you know um, and Charlie can get the one or pick and roll get him in the short roll and he can be the guy that gets the ball from LaMelo to Mark Williams you know catching a lob above the rim or catching the ball in the dunker spot for a spike I just think he does a nice job not just on the short roll on the short roll where he's even seeing an extra defender at the paint, he's pretty good in those those like one four or two four pick and roll short roll situations. So just a, I, in my opinion, he's a winning basketball player. He doesn't try too hard to do too much with the dribble. He can do some of it. He can pass. He keeps it moving. He can really shoot. He's effective as a screener because he can pop, he can short roll, yeah. he can dive. And if we're if we're a you know you know, knock him for, for a few other things. I mean, he's never been, like, an amazing finisher at the Rams. Certainly he has some limitations there. He, and at times it hasn't been a side thing. He, you know, he's not an incredible leaper and he doesn't always finish great through contact. I mean, his post game after some promising signs, you know, like maybe his rookie year has sort of stalled, I don't think that was all his fault because he was being asked to, you know, uh, the, here's two and three under James Rego. He's being asked to play a lot of pick-and-pop small ball five. But that's maybe something he could try to get back to a little bit more this year. But this is a really good player. But I think, I don't think, even if he's maxed out at what he is right now, I think this is a totally fair contract. You could trade it tomorrow. But this is a guy that's going to be, if not starting, playing a bunch of minutes for you. Um in each of the next couple of seasons. And yeah, I, I, ultimately though, I still think he's getting better. So like, again, even he, if he's plateaued, totally fair number, fair deal, good to have him back. And if there's something more here, and maybe, maybe even those are just sort of like marginal, but like marginal growth, then this contract becomes even more valuable. Like Richie, a couple of weeks ago, you and I did the, the pod after they were following the Isaiah Stewart extension with Detroit for, 64 million dollars over four years and there were some reporting correct me if i'm wrong that like the hornets we couldn't totally tell if i remember correctly that the Hornets had or hadn't offered him a, a similar deal or the exact same thing it was like a little vague right. in terms of what had been uh, publicly uh you know uh, pushed out through the media um but i mean think about this now like who would you rather have like would you rather have pj on 48 over three or Stewart on 64 over four like i mean I, again i'd still rather have pj on that fourth extra year but it, to me like i think pj is a um i think he's a more like malleable uh player and i think he's on the you know perhaps a better contract too so um yeah you know again i we've, we've seen charlotte's front office plenty i don't think this has been like a great off season for them but bringing PJ back after playing some hardball. It, it worked out for them. So, um, and you know, then let's just get him back in camp. And I guess Charlotte's pretty much done for business, you know, roster wise for the <laughs> summer. Yeah, just excited to see what he looks like with, with, uh, with Lomelo and Mark Williams, um, you know, going forward here.
1: Yeah. Let me hit upon a a couple of points that you mentioned Uh, in terms of like defensive impact. You mentioned about like the metrics. Does that match the eye test that we have? And in terms of defensive estimated plus minus over at dunks and threes, he was fourth on the team last year. And really, yeah. now that Dennis Smith Jr. is out of the question, um, Kai Jones was another player that was above him. <laughs> really only Gordon Hayward, only Gordon Hayward was above him, which is yeah. crazy to think about. I mean, he actually played some good defense last year. So PJ is yeah. Yeah. an impactful defender. You also mentioned about the volume of the floaters and how he is used there. I looked at the stat the other day where last season he had close to a hundred field goal attempts of the running slash standing floater variety. If you combine the first three seasons, it only reaches 61. So he, he shot yeah. 40 more floaters last season than he did in his first three seasons combined. And then back to your kind of your question about which salary would I rather have. Now, 64 over four is the same amount, it's 16 per season. But I think PJ Washington is the better player than Stewart you talked about maybe having that extra year, having the fourth year. Maybe that was a deal breaker for PJ in terms of trying to get back on the open market for sure. quicker. I think it probably was. Like We were benefiting, the Hornets were benefiting from having less salary. PJ is benefiting from having less years so we can get back out there and try to improve. But kind of last thought before we wrap this up, and if anyone has any questions or comments about PJ in Twitter spaces, we'll be uh, happy to take them. But the thing that, you know, it kind of goes through my mind. I feel like I've mentioned this before, so hopefully I'm not beating a dead horse. Like When we talk about P.J.'s versatility, I think it also comes in terms of what type of player he can be, but also the role that he can be. He can start. He can come off the bench. Uh, he can fill a role, and he's a guy that can start. He's a guy that can close because of his impact. But yep. do you think that the conversation will pop up, let's just say – you know, maybe after the tenth game, when Miles gets back, maybe things start to the 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 rotation starts to take shape. Will there be any conversation about okay, wow, we've just signed this guy to sixteen million dollars a year, and now he's coming off the bench? If that situation <laughs> does arise, or does that not even matter in, in your opinion?
2: I mean, I could see it. I don't think it matters um, in part because like he'll still be a he'll be the most important player coming off the bench. You know, he would come in and fill in at basically every position and still close a lot of games and still play a bunch of minutes and still be like a crucial 2 a player. Also Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, they're on expiring contracts, you know, like PJ is the one that's actually signed, um, you know, beyond 2024, as far as the sort of like big wing room goes for the Hornets. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, Brandon Miller, obviously too, but so I would say, I would say I could see it, but again, he looks like right now on paper, he is the one that's set to be in Charlotte for longer than those other two guys. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it, at least like in some corners of, um, you know, the online Hornets discourse or, you know, talk radio or something like that. It wouldn't surprise me. It, it's something to like chew on, like a, your sixth or seventh man making you know, $16 million and coming off the bench or whatever. But, Given how low risk this contract is for the Hornets, PJ is good. He's gonna produce as long as he's on as long, as long as he's healthy and on the court. That like I don't know a lot of that stuff will just end up being semantic and something to talk about. And again, he is the one guy that's not on an expiring contract. And certainly, like look, Hayward's gonna you know he's gonna get hurt you know at some point. <laughs> I hope not, but probably. And you know yep. then maybe you'll see Bridges and PJ. Um, you know, playing the three and four they have plenty of times, uh together, but with you know, Lamella Ball, Terry Rozier, Mark Williams, so it's something to something to consider. I I would not overreact to that, but I would not be surprised to see some some people scratch their heads a little bit, even if I think that's uh,
1: unnecessary. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I think that there's a strong chance that he could potentially be coming off the bench. Personally, I'd have him starting next to Miles on game 11, but there's been some talk out there that, you know, Miles plays better at the four. So having PJ play next to him would have to be like in a four or five situation, maybe late in the game. But I, I really wouldn't mind to have, a starting lineup of Ball, Rozier, Miles, PJ, and Mark Williams to start. Well, I guess not to start the season, but you know, like I said, game 11 moving forward. But I do think that conversation might pop up if PJ somehow finds himself on the bench. But uh, to your point, he's going to be playing in high leverage minutes. He's probably going to be getting close to starter minutes. And he, is, he has been one of the more reliable players players on this team like he's he's playing close to what 90 percent of the games that you know played in yeah Um, Yeah. even his first season it was the covid year he played in 58 of the 65 so don't get confused by that 58 number it's been fairly close to that 70 number mark every time he's played so yeah i think when i sit back and grade this brian the only thing that you know we kind of pick at is the fact that it's only three years versus four but i do think that this deal is Close to a a plus, and I don't really know where you. C- I mean, I guess you can go wrong, but you know the the actual number is very tradable. We talk about that too. So that's mm-hmm. that's kind of my final thoughts here on the PJ contract. Really, really good work by the front office, uh, even if they, they have to you know concede that final year.
2: Yeah, again, that's the one knock against it, and not getting that that the fourth year. But again, the contract's going to go by quickly because of that too. But Three years is not, it's not nothing. Um, it's a good number for, you know, for PG to make that much per year, that's, that's life changing money. So, so congrats to him. Salute to him. He earned, I think, every penny of that. And yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this like, Richie, if, if things go right or going right for the Hornets this season, then I think that lineup you just outlined, the Ball, Rozier, uh, Bridges, PJ, Bar lineup, that lineup, like, if it's not starting, it it has to be like one of their best, like high minutes lineups, you yeah. know. Um, and maybe you can flip Hayward in for, you know, Bridges or PJ or whatever. But like, the, or but those are going to be the lineups, right? Like that—that's going to be it. And Maybe Miller for Rozier or or Hayward right. or C, whatever. But like that—that's kind of got to be it for the team this season. Um, I think Richards. I think Richards will do a nice job at the backup five, but. Obviously, big things expected for in year two for for Mark Williams. I'm very excited to see he and PJ uh, continue to, uh, to 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 grow together. So yeah, I would give this a pretty strong grade for the Hornets, and just a congratulations to PJ Washington again. He is a really nice young player. Um, he does a lot of good, winning basketball type things. He's getting better, and uh, I will be continue to be excited watching him play. Um, it's kind of it's going to be amazing to look step back and see just how much like PJ Lamelo Rozier, like those guys Hayward how much those guys Bridges those guys have kind of been together for a while now yeah yeah you know since 2019 and 2020 for some of those other guys so uh, PJ you know probably what other than Bridges the second longest termed guy on the roster uh, along with Cody Martin so good to bring him back and again he just what he just turned 25 or 28 or pardon me he just turned 25 so uh yeah it's a win for the hornets um even if it did come with a little
1: bit of friction uh in the middle of summer right yeah who knows how long this could have dragged on for like it kind of came out of the blue i kind of gave up on the fact that this deal was going to come and it just out of nowhere we hear about it so yeah um three years 48 million dollars uh inked contract there for pj Uh, again thanks everyone for joining us today please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast visit buzzbeat.substack.com for information about our private podcast feed Uh, you guys can get ad free episodes there early access we've got a lot of content recently at buzzbeat plus Uh, a lot of videos monday today if you're listening to this on the podcast version there is a lamello video against minnesota timberwolves Uh, that's a pretty good video that lee and i did on his like near triple double so uh, take a look at that buzzbeat.substack.com for brian i'm richie take care we'll talk to you guys later